reminder or a, a prompt, I should say. Uh, instead of going downstairs to pick up your kids after the uh, service, they're going to be over here in the uh, Parsonage lawn area. They're going to be outside of those activities. Okay, at this point, it's uh, my pleasure to be able to welcome our guest speaker this morning. It's Reverend David Muir. And uh, certainly anxious to hear what the Lord has laid on his heart. And uh, we'll get him straightened out. Anyway, good morning, sir, and welcome. my hands. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to be with you today. I got to say, I got to thank the worship team. Where'd they go? Right. Uh, boy, thank you for leading us uh, before the Lord. Uh, really, those songs are a powerful message. So thanks for, thanks for leading us. Um, uh, and as I said, it's good to be with you today. I was here a few years ago, and I was having trouble remembering exactly how long it was. And when I talked to Pastor Mark um, a few days ago, he um, reminded me that it was in 2019. And I do remember I was here on a Sunday after Christmas. So it was right after Christmas and right before COVID. Now that seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? And there is a lot that has happened since those days. Uh, wow. So anyway... Um, I appreciate the opportunity to, to be with you again this morning. Um, let me just tell you a little about myself so you know who you're dealing with today. Um, I was uh, an Alliance pastor for uh, 30 years. Um, I was born and raised in the Alliance. My father was a CMA minister. In fact, uh, I don't know how many would remember this, but uh, he served as the district superintendent of this district uh, back in the 80s. Um, so anyway, I uh, was born and raised in the Alliance. I um, uh, was a pastor for 30 years. My last church was in Beaver County, um, in Hopewell Township. I served that church for 20 years. And then um, stepped away from the pastorate and served as a hospice chaplain for 10 years and just uh, retired from that a couple years ago. Um, so now I'm footloose and fancy free. And, you know, what, I don't know. So anyway, that's a little of where I'm coming from so you can uh, understand a little better. Um, before we look into the Word, let me just lead us in a, in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. And uh, I thank you for the the time of worship that we've come through because it indeed caused us to draw near to you, to, to lift up our eyes, our, our hearts, our minds to you. And I pray now that as we look into your word that uh, we would continue in that vein. Lord, um, I pray that uh, your presence would uh, be among us. Give us ears to hear your voice speaking to us through your word today. And um, I, I pray that it would not be my voice that is heard, but your voice speaking through, through me. So Lord, just uh, help us to be attuned to you. Give us ears to hear. To help us to receive what you want us to, to, to take from this time together as we look into your word. So I pray these things in your name. Amen and amen. 
All right. When my kids were little, I have, I have three boys, and when they were, when they were little, we lived in a house in um, um, Des Plaines, Illinois, um, and we used to play a game where I would put their faith in me to the test. And we, we lived in a split-level home at that time where you uh, came in the front door to like an entryway, and then there was a short stairway up to the living room, and then another short stairway down to the, to the family room. And so I get my, my two oldest boys, because my, my youngest one wasn't born yet <laughs> at that point, but uh, I would have them stand at the top of the stairway, and I would stand on the landing, and I would hold out my arms and say, jump, and I'll catch you. Well, I must say that at first, they did not exactly jump at that <laughs> invitation. Um, they would stand up there and, you know, kind of hem and haw around, a little uncertain, uh, a little hesitant, a little unsure if this was a good idea or not. And it was like they're thinking, okay, Dad, you want me to jump, but what if you have butterfingers and drop me? Then what? You know, it's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt. But I encouraged them, coaxed them, um, and assured them that I would catch them, that I wouldn't drop them. And finally, they worked up the nerve and uh, took the leap of faith off the top step into my arms. Well, after they did it a few times, they realized that, uh, hey, the old man isn't such a klutz after all. And uh, he, he really can catch me. So it got to the point where they had such faith in my ability to catch them that they would not just stand on the top step and jump. They would get a running start. And they would back up as far as they could go, back into our kitchen, up against the cabinets, and they would run through the kitchen, across the living room, and take the flying leap off the top step. And they had absolute faith to take that leap because they had developed absolute trust that I would catch them. Now, I never did drop them, but we had to stop playing the game when they got so big that they about knocked me over <laughs> when they came flying off the, off the, the steps. Well, today... I would like to explore the role of faith in our spiritual journey. We, we all recognize that uh, faith is an important part of you know, the, the Christian lingo, the, the language that we, that we speak as followers of Jesus. Um, we describe ourselves as people of faith. We know that we are saved by faith. As Christians, we walk by faith. We often say that in the Christian life, we need to be willing to take a step of faith. And, and sometimes um, we're called to take a leap of faith, kind of like what my kids did. But however you describe it, the reality is that Whoops. 
There we go. There we go. Um, the reality is that our spiritual journey requires active faith. If you have your Bibles handy, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to kind of, this is where we're kind of, we're kind of going to be there this morning. Um, Hebrews chapter 11. Now this is, uh, as you probably know, uh, this is often referred to as the faith chapter because it talks a lot about faith. So it goes together, right? Um, so let's look at uh, Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, when you stop and think about it, that, that's a pretty amazing statement. You cannot please God. You cannot have a relationship with him without faith. It, it begins there. And regardless of how religious you might be, if you don't have faith, you can't please God. Now, I think we all know that a person can certainly demonstrate the, the appearance of being religious. I mean, I, I've had people say to me, describing another person, oh, they're very religious. Have you ever heard someone describe like that? Oh, they're, they're, they're very religious. Well, what do they mean by that? Well, the way I interpret that is that usually it means that that person goes to church a lot. At least they attend more often than the person describing them does. <laughs> and so by comparison, they're, yeah, they're religious. Um, and maybe they're known to read their Bible, um, try to witness to co-workers, neighbors, um, talk about spiritual things. Maybe they listen to Christian radio, uh, have a um, you know, fish symbol on the back of their car. But you know what? What pleases God is not a person who's religious. You can go to church, be baptized, give money, read your Bible, go to Sunday school, attend a Bible study, sing in the choir. Now, those are all good religious things to do. But if you do them, and don't have faith, if it's not all grounded in faith, then you're not pleasing God. You know, the scripture tells us that God looks beyond the outward actions. And you know why that is? It's because those outward actions can be just for show. To impress other people. Uh, to, to make ourselves look good. What he's looking at, I mean, those, those actions are fine, but what he's really looking at is what's in the heart. And what he wants to find there is active, living faith. Now, given that reality, the question we have to ask ourselves is, well, then what is faith? What, you know, if faith is so important, just what exactly are we talking about here? And I think we have this, you know, kind of vague concept of, oh, yes, faith. 
You got to have faith. Well, what, what does that mean? What, what is faith exactly? So let's um, consider some definitions of faith to help us understand just what it is we're, we're talking about here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, here uh, gives a classic scriptural definition of faith. This is what it says. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Let's look at a couple other translations. King James Version puts that same verse like this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I don't know if you're like me. That's the version that I memorized as a kid when we were doing, you know, scripture memory. That's the version that we, that we learned back in the day. Um, New Century Version says, faith means being sure of things we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we do not see it. New American Standard Version says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now you can see that these different translations have different ways of putting it, of you know, wording this, but they all convey the idea of belief, confidence, assurance in something that is anticipated or promised but not yet seen or touched by the physical senses. Now, I think there's, there's no question when you think of faith in this way, I mean, that, that flies in the face of the attitude that is prevalent in our, in our society today. Uh, you've heard the expression, Seeing is believing. You ever heard that? The idea is you see and then you believe. And the age, uh, or the, the attitude of so many in this scientific age of enlightenment is I only believe what I can see and touch. You ever heard anybody say that? Now, that position, I only believe what I can see and touch, that pretty much rules out any room for faith, if that's the position you're going to take. Now, let's kind of illustrate what I'm talking about here. I have a little bag here. Now, if I were to say to you, I have in my bag an object. And uh, this object is, is small. I can hold it in my hand. Um, the, the surface of it is, um, it, uh, it's not rough, but it's not smooth either. It's kind of in between, kind of fuzzy. Um, it's not fragile. I, I could drop it. It won't break. Little, you know, it would bounce. I can squeeze it. 
and it won't break. It'll kind of you know, go back to its original form. Um, and at times, this object can travel 100 miles an hour. Now, to believe me that I have such an object in this bag, to believe me would take faith on your part because you can't see it with your own eyes. You would have to have faith to believe that I was telling you the truth. And whether, you, and whether or not you had faith would pretty much depend on how trustworthy you thought I was. Okay? And if I had lied to you in the past or if I had broken promises to you in the past, you might find it difficult to have faith in, in that promise. So, do you have faith or not? I won't ask for a show of hands. It's a tennis ball. And like I said, it's small. I can hold it in my hand. It's fuzzy. It bounces. I can squeeze it. And professional tennis players can hit one of these balls over 100 miles an hour. So there you go. Now, now if I said to you, hey, you know what? I have here an object. It's, it's small, fits in my hand, is fuzzy, bounces, and can travel 100 miles an hour. Now you don't need faith, do you? Because now, now you see it. The world, the world says, seeing is believing. I see, so okay, now I believe. The Bible says, we walk by faith, not by sight. So faith means that you believe even when you don't see because you trust the one who made the promise. Now that brings us to the second definition, which is, oh, there, there you go. I forgot that part. You believe even when you don't see because you trust the one who made the promise. Okay, now that brings us to the second definition. Faith is outrageous trust in God. The thing that's important to, to keep in mind is that faith is only as valid as the object in which it is placed. Faith has to be placed in someone or something that is worthy of that trust. Now, I can say to you, I have a $500 bill in my wallet, and after service, I'd, I'd like to pay for lunch for everybody. What do you think? Wait, well, you don't believe I have a $500 bill in my wallet? Well, you believe the other, but you don't believe that? Well, let me show you. 
There's my $500 bill. <laughs> it says 500 right here. What is, it's got, you know, the president there. I'm not sure which one that is, but the, there's my $500 bill. Now, what do you think would happen if I was actually to try and use this to pay for a meal for everybody? Police might be called. Um, nothing good would happen, I know that. I don't, I don't know if they still make people wash dishes. <laughs> that, that, might, that might happen, I guess. But you see, here's, here's the thing. Even if I said, even if I said, you know, I, I really believe that this bill is real. I have faith that they will accept it to pay for, for all that food. I have faith to believe it. It doesn't matter. My faith is not valid because that $500 bill is not real. It is not worthy of my trust. And just because I believe it doesn't make it true. And this, you know, some, and we, we hear, you hear people say, well, just, just believe. You gotta, you just believe in something. That's ridiculous. <laughs> because it does matter what you believe in. You can't just say, well, believe in something because it matters what you are putting your faith in. The object of our faith must be valid. It must be trustworthy. And you see, the point is that our Heavenly Father is worthy of our trust. We can trust Him to back up His, his promises. And He is worthy of our trust, of our faith, even in unlikely situations where our faith requires outrageous trust. Now, as I said before, Hebrews 11 is often called the faith chapter because it, it talks about faith. It, and it lists people who demonstrated faith in God. And in many cases, they demonstrated outrageous faith when people must have thought they were crazy to believe God, to follow what they said God wanted them to do. Let's look at a couple examples here. In verse 7, we find that Noah, verse 7, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. It takes outrageous faith to build a big boat on dry land with no water anywhere near. Verse 8 talks about Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. It takes some pretty outrageous faith to leave your home and led for some promised land that you don't even know where it is. Down to verses 24-25. It mentions Moses. By faith, Moses, 
when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. It takes outrageous faith to go back to Egypt and demand that Pharaoh release your, your people from their slavery after 400 years just like that. Down to verse 32. Lists a number of people. But what, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms. Um, David's one of the ones mentioned in that list there. We all know David's story. It takes out some outrageous faith to go out and face a warrior like Goliath with just a slingshot and a few rocks. But our God is faithful, and he is worthy of our outrageous trust. Faith in him is not misplaced. One more def definition I'd like to consider. This is a definition... Uh, proposed by Philip Yancey. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He, he's one of my favorite Christian, Christian authors. He's been, his writing has been very influential on, on me. And he says that faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Now, you might have to think about that one for a minute. Faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Pastor Ray Pritchard, in his book, um, He's God and We're Not, makes an interesting observation uh, about this definition. He says, so many things in this life make no sense to us. I imagine we all have a few very deep and personal questions that defy all human answers. I got a few. We want to know why things happen the way they do and why couldn't things have happened some other way. It would be wrong to say that faith provides all the answers. It doesn't. Perhaps in heaven we will fully understand. You know, all the questions will be answered. Or in heaven our desire to know will be transformed by our vision of the Lord. In other words, we, our questions will be different there than they are here. By faith, we see things that are invisible to others, and by faith, we believe in advance those things that right now make no sense, but one day will make perfect sense because we will view them in reverse. in our spiritual journey we all go through trials times of doubt and confusion uh, times when we question what God is up to but faith means that because of our outrageous trust in God we keep looking ahead moving forward in spite of our fears, in spite of the uncertainty, in spite of our, our confusion and doubts, 
knowing that one day we'll be able to look back and say, okay, now I get it. Now, I, I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey, but I would suspect that, uh, you know, human, human, the human experience being what it is, that uh, some of you are, are going through things right now, trials, difficulties, where you perhaps are questioning what God is up to in your life. You're facing uncertainty. And you don't know what, what lies ahead. You don't know what's coming around the corner. And maybe you're afraid to find out what's coming around the corner. And you're wondering where God is in all this. Well, what, whatever it is you may be dealing with, you know, I, I can't tell you what the outcome will be. But I can tell you that God is worthy of your trust. And this is where you need to hold on to him with a faith that will not let go. You may not be able to see where it's headed. But this is where faith needs to take hold and enable you to hold on to him. And understand that it may not be tomorrow or next week or next month or next year, but one day you will be able to look back and say, yes, now I can see that his hand was at work. But until then, until that day comes, hold on to him with the arms of faith. Don't let go. Don't give up because he is worthy of your trust. Let me just add one more thought here. You know, looking beyond what's happening in our personal circumstances and, and looking you know, kind of at the bigger picture of... Uh, uh, of what's happening in our nation and, and in our world. I, I, I've got to say that if there was ever a time for outrageous trust in God, it's now. I, I'm sure I don't need to convince you that uh, we live in perilous times. Um, we we live in a time when we are seeing we are seeing good now being called evil and things that are evil are now being called good you know the bible warned us about this and we're seeing it happen right now day by day and I don't want to get into the politics of it, uh, but, uh, you know, we, we live in a divided nation. There's no, there's no denying that. We live in a divided nation, and, and we are headed in a direction that even 10 to 20 years ago, 
was uh, unthinkable. But we're headed down that road. And the, and the level of division and animosity between people um, is creating a lot of fear and uncertainty in, in people's hearts and minds. And you know, we, we, we see the media and big tech and our politicians stoking the fear and uncertainty as they, as they push their agenda. But in the midst of this time of fear and uncertainty, you can be certain of this, that God is in control. Aren't you happy to know that? God is in control, and he is worthy of our trust. Now we're going to close our service with a song entitled uh, You Never Let Go. The worship team can go ahead and come up here. Um, I don't often request a closing song, but I did today. Um, because the Lord, the Lord seemed to bring this song to my mind. I, uh, we used to sing this song when I was a pastor, uh, but I haven't, I haven't heard this song or played this song since I don't, I don't know when. But it's like the Lord brought this song to my mind. And it has a line in it. You can listen for it. There's a, it has a line that says, I can see a light that is coming for the heart that holds on. And there will be an end to these troubles. But until that day comes, still I will praise you. Still I will praise you. And you see right there, there it is. The challenge for our day. We, we live in dark times and there is confusion and uncertainty about what in the world is going on. But there is a light. There's a light that is coming. Let's not lose sight of that promise. Let's hold on to him with a faith that will not let go. Don't let go. Don't give up. Because he is worthy of our outrageous trust in these perilous times.